It's 7 p.m. You are listening to WMSC 90.3 with Japan Next Rock and Metal Pandemonium. It is June 27th, 2014, and I have Hudson Valley's Rorg in the station with me. Now, who am I speaking with today? And tell me the position you guys play. All right, I'm Beastman, and I play uh, lead guitar primarily, and I also do occasional backing vocals. I'm Birdman. I do vocals, and I also play guitar. Now, tell me how you guys picked the name Rourke for your band. Wonderful pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> we, um, let's see, I remember when I was, uh, when we were students at uh, Binghamton University, uh, I was, um, I had responded to an ad a while back where we were originally going to plan to do a, a metal cover band, and, um, you know, a little while later, uh, we we figured you know what let's be original and then we uh, I went into uh, Birdman's room uh, or his uh, his dorm room and I noticed that he had all these pictures posted up on his wall and they were all album covers uh, pictures of bands just like just anything metal related it was up so he had one that was of um, it was Voivod's Roar. I think uh, I remember that picture. Yeah, and it was the ex- it was with Corgol the Exterminator on the cover and everything, you know, the the album artwork and I said, "You know what? I think that's what we sound like. You know, we should we should just put more letters and everything else just to avoid being so nobody thinks we're a Voivod cover band." <laughs> so, I figured that was um I figured it was perfect. It, it was just basically I said to myself, "Look at all these bands and like some of their names are even like barely pronounceable anyway so it's like why not just <laughs> just go all out <laughs> i think it's perfect myself i mean when you look at situations like ghost bc who had to change their name from ghost due to a legal issue you wonder why bands come up with all these crazy names like godspeed you black emperor or chunk no captain chunk and this right here is Rorg. pure and simple and awesome. So, like thinking about that, I I remember the story about rigor mortis, how they ended up uh, pretty much I think bribing or offering money to the rigor mortis from L.A. And um, it was just kind of like back in the day, people were concerned like if you actually had the same name, but if you were like from a very different region, it didn't matter. Like think about like Sacrifice Canada, Sacrifice Japan. Um, Both of those bands existed around the same period, but I mean, it's just like Canada and Japan, they're a little bit far apart from each other. Well, there's also, there was, uh, I believe, Immolation used to be called uh, Rigor Mortis for a while, and they changed their name also. (laughs) Now, um, both of you guys used to do a show on WHRW. What was the environment like there, and what type of things did you like to do on your programs? Uh, WHRW loved to stress the free format. Some DJs would play the metal, other DJs would do their thing. The majority of our shows was metal. I like to... Well, I think overall I'm a pretty old school guy when it comes to metal, although I have this huge appreciation for newer bands. But, um... Yeah, a wide variety of subgenres of metal. And in between, I like to do a segment where I played punk, video game music, hip-hop, and classic rock. 
and in the spirit of that, I was actually um, uh, a D- I was a DJ under Birdman. Actually, he was. Um, I unfortunately the first time around I didn't pass the uh, the clearance exam, so I had to I had to take it again. But I was uh, studying, so I had to study again. I had to reapprentice under Birdman, and so with with while I was reapprenticing under him, I eventually kind of decided that the format of my show will be similar. Although I got a little more lucky because I was able to do a show over the summer, and my summer show was three hours long, and just like. And just like yours, on a Friday night at pretty much the exact same time slot, <laughs> seven to ten, and uh, I had mine was uh, you know in addition to playing metal, uh, and I would also even play I'd play a full album as well because I had the time to. Yeah. And I also would, uh, I also would in the middle I'd have um, because my show was called The Mark of the Beast. I was like, you know what, everything is going to kind of be very six six six, you know, very kind of like like. All all sixes, if you will. So I had like a six pack to start the show, and then I had a six uh, uh, six songs in between called Beastman's Secret Stash because Birdman's was called The Flight Off Course. And in my Secret Stash, I had video game music, I had country music, I had uh, stuff from movies, I had uh, like really old school punk rock, like horror punk or something like that. Um, a really, really underground punk rock, and then I'd always pick something because I just have a real soft spot for '90s alternative or grunge, you know. So I'd always play. I was actually able to play most of Bad Motor Finger <laughs> by Soundgarden on my show. So uh, coincidentally, I even played The Temptations on several of my shows. Wow! Now, how much like traditional hard rock would you guys get into as well? I'd say a decent portion of each of our shows was dedicated to, you know, older forms of hard rock and heavy metal. Now, why don't you guys tell me about your song, Fast Food Run, and we'll play it right after that explanation. In terms of lyrical content, I say it was the most free and relaxing. I didn't have to tie it to any belief system. It really is just a song about my love for fast food. I mean, I love Big Macs, I love Whoppers, I love Dairy Queen and Sonic, and keep in mind, these corporations don't pay me to say it. I mean, it's... But it's not just about my love for fast food, it's about the hazards of consuming large quantities of fast food. I mean... When I'm eating this stuff, of course I'm eating it, and there's that little voice in the back of my head going, it's not the best thing for me. But it is what it is. Okay, now let's cross our fingers and hope that fast food runs. Stay tuned.
Okay, and we're back. This is WMSC 90.3, Japan X Rock and Metal Pandemonium, speaking with the guys in Rourke. Now, um, tell me, how did you manage to get um, the singer of Thrash or Die to do guest vocals on Fast Food Run? Well, uh, basically, um, I remember a long time ago, I uh, saw a video of their song, Wake Up and Smell the Thrash, which featured these uh, puppets, kind of like what you see on uh, on Sesame Street or something, those kind of foam foam puppets, I don't know what you call them, or crank gankers, you know, those kinds of puppets. So, Muppets. Yeah, <laughs> Muppets, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I think so. But uh, they made a video for that, and... I really liked the vocals, and I was like, I want this. I if I was ever to have a guest vocalist on anything, like anything in the world, any song, you know, I want this guy. I want, uh, you know, Doctor. Uh, he shall be known as Doctor F. Yes, for, the Doctor, or the doc, or simply the Doctor, I guess. For, or the for singer tonight. of Thrasher Die, or the singer of Thrasher Die. <laughs> Fine, yes, um, but uh, he is. Uh, so we uh, we had him. Uh, I went ahead and I um, uh, commented on one of his videos, and he said that basically he, he pretty like you know how much I liked it. I was like, you know, one day I want you to do vocals or something on one of our songs, and he said, "You write me a thrash and tune, and I will do it." <laughs> you know, so sure enough, we went ahead. We we wrote a thrash and tune. I sent it to him. I asked him if he would like to to do vocals on it, and he he agreed to do so, and he sent his stuff in, and we put it on the record. If I recall, I remember uh, Nick actually interviewing you at the first Thrash Bash barbecue, asking if we would like any guest musicians to be on future releases. And I remember, after watching it several times, you mentioning you wanted the doctor to do guest vocals. Yes, I did. So at least one of our dreams came true. Yep, one of our dreams came true. (laughs) But what was your dream, Dan? Um, well, I was kind of on the spot at the time, so I said I'd like to have Alexi Leo on to do uh, maybe a guest solo on one of our tunes. But now that I think about it, I mean, right now I think it's too early to start talking about re-recordings for this new EP we've got out, Second Helping. But I'd love to have either Angela from Arch Enemy or even Malika from Abnormality to do guest vocals for War Torn Limbs in the in the uh, chorus. That that would sound pretty sick, I think. <laughs> Definitely. You also got your music uh, listed on a compilation on Brave Words. How did you make that happen? Uh there was a local uh a guy from our town, uh his name's Ignacio Orellana. He runs the um he runs a page called Poughkeepsie Metal. And he's also the singer, er, drummer, drummer for Pyro Saint. Excuse me. He's the drummer of Pyro Saint. He's he. For, I don't know if he's still doing this, but he was the drummer for uh, Downfire for a while. He did a lot of local stuff, and he's he's fantastic. But he also uh, he also has done uh, some photography for shows and um, things like that. And he's videotaped shows at the Chance, which is like that big venue in our town. So um, there's lots of you know there's lots of uh, stuff from him on YouTube and elsewhere. But um so what we um what what he he had a basically he was creating a compilation and he asked for any bands in the Poughkeepsie area to submit their stuff. So we went ahead and we submitted uh Seraphim of Pestilence and Disgust from our single 
and uh, he basically put it on there along with a biography and everything. And it was basically the compilation was free to promote the uh, to promote to promote local bands from the Mid Hudson Valley area. Brilliant. Now, um, let's hear that song.
This is Japan Nick. Tune into my show Friday nights, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for music ranging from black thrash, speed metal, doom, sludge, and stoner metal. Check out my interviews at theaquarian.com, soundcloud.com, slash japan-nick, and go to my website at japannick.com. Remember to like the Facebook page at Japannick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. And follow me on Twitter at Japannick. Stay heavy. What up, what up, what up, what up? This is Joe from Patent Pending, and you're listening to 90.3 WMSC. This is Max Gosha from Ministry and Rigor Mortis, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3. Thank you very much. You're so annoying. You're so annoying. Stop copying stop me. Stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop copying me. Mom, tell her to stop talking me. Kids will spend 10 minutes copying everything their sibling says. You're such a You're doofus. You're such a doofus. How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. Mom! Mom! A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ad Council. And we're back. Now tell me about that song we just played. Seraphim of Pestilence and Disgust. Yes, it was our first, it was one of our first long songs, wasn't it? Yeah, it's about four and a half minutes in duration. But it it's, was one of our longer ones, because I remember, well, also one of our, probably our slowest, officially, and arguably our heaviest, aside yes. from aside from what you might hear later tonight, uh, you know, War-Torn Limbs. I, I, I think that's the heaviest sesh, most aggressive, but this one is by far the heaviest in the sense, in, in the sense of the word heavy, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was also, I think it was the first song that we did on seven string guitars, right? That's correct. So, I mean, it was very, uh, it was also the first song which, which featured, uh, Will Cameraman, our regular drummer, uh, you know, as, as, you know, finally part of the lineup. He used to, mostly he was a fill in for a while and then that was like the first recording that we'd ever done with him beforehand. We were just using a drum machine. So mm-hmm. that really was a, that really was pivotal for us. And plus it, it made us, it boosted, it boosted us way beyond where we already were, you know, which was kind of, we were just, we were just starting out, but it was like decent, you know, we were doing decently, but this was like way beyond that, what we'd released. So, mm-hmm. How do you use drum machines or programmable drums to record an album to make them sound natural? Well, we uh, we tried doing that in studio with uh, with our producer uh, Eric and uh, at um, at Dalton Studio or Dalton Productions, I think it's called now. And we were uh, we would sit down and we'd uh, he'd go with his little keyboard and we'd find the effects that sounded the most realistic, and we would put them on the record. The only thing is, you know, it didn't it. Maybe for the first time, when the first time we listened to it, it, it kind of worked out, you know. And then the next few times, like as time grew on, we st- uh, 
most people started to notice that the drums were fake, <laughs> basically, or that they, or that it was, you know, it was started to become painfully obvious. There were some songs where it sounded blatantly obvious, and there was one song in which it didn't matter, and that was "Fixation on the Outer Image." Was being because it was so heavy, it was able to mask all of the clickiness. So, you know, in in that case, we were we were successful. Although we did seem to get a lot of benefit of the doubt for the program drums. I'd say if you're more into punk, you might actually enjoy our eponymous EP more than this new one. Yeah, I would think so. It, the, the eponymous EP is somewhat is a lot mo- is a lot more raw than than this one, but that's just because I mean this one this one is just more produced, if you will. But I think you know this one also has the sound we've been looking for. So brilliant. Now, um. You have a show coming up on July 1st, I believe, in New Paltz. Tell me about uh, that club you're going to be playing at. We're playing at Snug's Harbor in New Paltz. It's a bar with uh, a lot of great attractions. they got a lot of great neon signs. Uh, and um, Actually, um, what it's mainly about that night is our friends from the scene, uh, Dead Empires and Moontooth, are basically doing a July tour together, and they've picked Snugs as a stop-off point for their Hudson Valley date, and we will be joining them, along with our buddies in Minotaur's Redemption, and a uh, psychedelic metal band called It's Not Night, It's Space. And uh, I was going to say, Snugs is also considered the uh, cent- It's considered the main, when it comes to music or the bar scene and music that's the place to play seriously i mean on every time that that i've played there whether i was in rorg or my other band fenris maw it was we always we always enjoyed ourselves and it was always a good night for us you know we, they, it, it, the scene there is also really supportive like you'll get people coming off from coming in from off the street just to just to listen to the music wow now um I've also seen you guys uh, make it to Nefarious Realms. How do you make that happen? Uh, I actually saw a post in... Uh, I'm trying to remember what group I was in on Facebook. I was on a, It was in a group on Facebook where I saw this post, and they were talking about uh, how they needed bands for this upcoming compilation, which was going to feature 666 bands. <laughs> they called it... The, they aptly called it the number of the compilation. Hence you know, the number of the beast, you know, like that. So the, we basically, they were just looking for anybody. If they had recorded music, all you had to do was submit it, uh, say what record label you were with. Unsigned bands were also welcome. And, you know, many, many bands had participated in the compilation. I believe they're, ha- they're about a little more than halfway through getting to 666. But um, it looks like... It looks like they had. They even put Terrorizer on there. They put a lot of really major bands on there. Lich, Lich King, King is on there. Lich King's on there too. Yup. Also, uh, bands like Necrophagia, as well as Hour of Penance. I think uh, Zuder is on there too. I forgot how to pronounce their name. Wait, Necrophagia? Aren't they that band that like they've been working on that album for like a million years? Um, no. This one is actually more rooted in horror-themed music. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm it's thinking a, of a different Necrophagist band. is the one you're thinking of. Yes. And Necrophag they're supposed to they are supposed to have an album coming out soon and theirs has also been delayed though. That's the White Worm Cathedral. Yeah, actually um they may be changing the name of that too. I know they were having some label problems. I see. But um they did assure us that a, a new release will be out later this year. That's good. That's good to hear, though, because I think we were we were supposed to we were supposed to get that sometime last year. I think. How many years has it been in the works? Uh, the White Worm Cathedral. I think they started on it last year or the year before. Well, I know Death Trips '69 came out in 2011. The original plan was to release White Worm Cathedral in Halloween 2012. Yeah. And then it just kept getting delayed since then. Tell me about Stage 2 Productions. Actually, it's Stage 2 Reviews. It's this new up-and-coming review site that someone has been doing for the local scene of New Jersey. Now, we are from the Hudson Valley of New York, but I figured since we love playing in Jersey and go there often, we'd submit ourselves to him. And this guy actually admitted in his review of us that... He's not an expert in the realm of metal, but he really liked what he heard because of our experimentation. I believe his favorite track was uh, the epic Unholy Mantra. Yeah, I, re- I read the I read the review as well, and I really I, re- I liked what he, I liked that he was very honest about his about what he had to say about uh, about the production and just how the how the album was uh, how the EP was uh, came off. And there were some that he was saying things like about typical metal tropes and things like that, but that's kind of what we do anyway. I mean, that's what we like to... Sometimes, in addition to our experimentation, we're also... Uh, when we first started the band, we wanted to say we wanted to be a metal band, and it didn't matter what kind of metal, it just it just that it was metal, you know what I mean? And that we wanted to do all styles of metal, you know, not just stick stick to one style. You know, we wanted to do a, a, a million you know? I will say that the majority of our tunes are based in death metal and thrash metal. That is true, and we've also, you know, a lot of our tunes are also like, you know, a lot of a lot of bands say they wear their influences on their sleeves. You know, ours when we when we say that we wear our influences on our sleeves, we actually mean it literally. As in, you can definitely tell where some of this comes from. You know, it, like it's almost like it's almost like. You could say we're 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 directly hinting this, and we want the fans to get it. You know what I mean? Like we want the fans to know that that's where we that that's where we got it from. Or that's where we, you know, we want them to catch that because they because sometimes you know, familiarity is a very um, how should I say familiarity is a very effective um, is a very effective tool when it comes to writing when it comes to writing music. Familiarity is inevitable. Oh yeah, that too. Not to mention. I mean, seriously, I, I just liked how um, there was once, like, sometimes I'll even go back to some of the songs that we based ours off of, and I'll even appreciate it so much more because of what we, because of what we had done, you know? Now, tell me, what influences do you think people really need to see in Unholy Mantra? I'd say black metal bands that took a more melodic approach. Bands like Catamenia or Dark Fortress, you know, the, I'd say the unsung heroes of Scandinavia and Germany. I want to say also a lot of, 
a lot like the biggest influence in that song like even though it's not super fast or crazy uh i think winter sun is a is a huge one to focus on i mean i mean we're not we weren't as dynamic as winter sun with what they did but you know because you know let's face it yari has access to all sorts of technology and stuff that you know we simply <laughs> yet he can't get a studio to get time to out promptly right yeah there's that too <laughs> interestingly enough but um but the thing is you know that that band you know the other thing is around the time that that we'd made that song uh uh winter sun had actually just started their first u.s tour you know so uh, they just started touring the united states and it was huge because they'd never toured north america ever in the entire history of the band so that was kind of important and um and i think you know when i listen to it i always think of just i like to say it's our first power metal song cuz you know we we don't we don't really have much else as far as power metalish songs it's also the first song to have clean vocals <laughs> well on that note let's tune in for the unholy mantra stay tuned to wmsc 90.3 
And we're back on WMSC 90.3, speaking with Rourke. Now, uh, tell me, guys, how difficult was it to record that track? Actually, I personally had an easy time, although, except for the vocals. I remember that was the last one I did in a day session, of course. In the initial mix, it came out horrible, so I did have to go back and redo that. But otherwise, recording the keyboards for that was really fun. Um, why don't you talk about recording that solo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that solo was just, honestly, I think that's the solo that I'm, believe it or not, I am most proud of that solo on this entire record. Like, that's the one thing that I'm most proud of doing. And part of my, uh, the idea for coming up with it was, uh, I, I kept, for some reason, every time that section came in, I kept thinking of doing the solo, like, I kept thinking of doing the, the solo from Photograph by Def Leppard. So I kept, I said, you know what, why don't I, why don't I just kind of make it, like, similar, you know, and we'll work, we'll go with that. And, um, uh, well, what do you know, it became successful. I was like, I mixed, I kind of mixed the influence from Atul Lamond in there, too, by Megadeth, so I figured. Although I argue differently. I told him it sounded a lot like, um, the solo to "Send Me an Angel" by Scorpions, which it does too. <laughs> you know, it does. But I just that wasn't my original plan. But um, the uh, the other thing was we also recording the cello was fun. That was actually my brother playing the cello in the beginning and in the uh, in the middle section. And uh, recording ukulele was that was supposed to be my youngest sister. So as you can see, there's musicians in my family, and. Um, Neither of our parents are musicians, but uh, in my family, we th- we all happen to be very kind of artsy, I guess. So um, she uh, she was supposed to play it, but she was involved in a um, in a play. She was actually or a musical rather. She was actually she was playing the role of the dragon in Shrek, the musical, which by the way she totally nailed. It was awesome. And um, uh, so what happened was I ended up playing the ukulele part and. Uh, Oddly enough, I'd I'd hardly played the I'd hardly played the instrument, but I was like, you know what? It's pretty simple, I guess. <laughs> so I went in, and that was that, and it uh, came out great. So I think the uh, the hardest part was just doing the scratch track for this because of all the time changes and all the you know the samples and and other stuff that we had to to put in f- that or that we had to put in later on. It's just that first part was hard because of you know you know having to know the song. Uh, Birdman did the scratch track, though. You did most of it. Right. You know, initially I wrote Unholy Mantra before I wrote its corresponding intro, A Long Hard Look at Life. It's just I remember streaming through the main song and getting into um, the clean bridge, and I'm thinking, you know what? That riff sounds really good. Why don't I just put that on repeat for, like, a minute and a half before the actual song kicks in? And, well, sure enough, it was a good idea. (laughs) Definitely. Now, on that note, if anybody has any questions for Rorg, now let's enjoy a shortcut by Metallica from Ride the Lightning. Here is Fade to Black. My favorite.
So tell me, guys, when did you first get to hear, like, Metallica? Well, it's funny. My metal journey didn't exactly start with Metallica. My metal journey actually started with um, this commercial I saw for Monster Ballads. Uh, I was 17 and a half at the time. From then on, I remember seeing this 80s band on Headbangers Ball. So I occasionally tuned in to them for... um, for the 80s throwbacks, and I guess the first real metal band I really started following was Judas Priest. Mm. Uh, but shortly after then, I got into Metallica, first the Black Album, and then into the earlier albums like Master Puppets and Ride the Lightning, which to this day is my favorite. Tell me why Master is more important to you than Ride. Uh, Master, uh, the reason why I like Master so much is because the thing is, Ride is a good album, but Ride didn't have enough of my favorite songs on it, you know, and Master had more of that. Master had songs like Battery and Master Puppets, and the production was worlds ahead of what they'd already done. It was, you know, it was very, I don't know how to say it, you, it was very, you could go ahead and say it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very heavy, very aggressive, very, a little more... Like, just a little more of a, like, just really getting into territory that they had not even touched on Ride the Lightning. Or maybe, or maybe ha- had touched, but not, hadn't gone as deep with it. And, I mean, it really, really blew me away. And for the longest time, Master of Puppets was my favorite record, had had been my favorite Metallica record. But, although the funny thing, though, is, though, I wouldn't mind, you know, I understand, uh, Birdman, your favorite is Ride the Lightning, and if you were stuck on a desert island, that would be your desert island record. It would. But, you know, and the funny thing is, for me, if I was stuck on a desert island, and that's what was given to me to listen to for the rest of my life, I actually wouldn't mind that at all. I just believe Ride the Lightning has everything, you know? Whether it's that uh, c- that clean intro in the beginning of Fade to Black, or the all-instrumental track uh, Call of Cthulhu, or even the all-powerful fast aggressiveness of the title track, or Creeping Death. I just think or fight it fire has. With fire. Yeah, it's got a little something for everyone. I believe. I think it's like this universal blueprint. Yeah, I was gonna say Master Puppets is kind of the same way, except for I think isn't the thing that should not be is on there, right? If I remember correctly. Is on. I don't know. I can't remember if it's on Master Puppets or not. I mean, I have. I've hardly listened to Metallica's discography in a very long time. Uh, it's not on Ride. I'll tell you that much. It's probably on Master. It's probably either on. It's probably on Master. I think. I just. I just remember I was reading through one of my uh, one of my metal encyclopedias, and I read it said something like that was the most boring, well, like one of the most boring metal songs of all time, and they said the thing that should not be was like number three or something. Yo, I remember doing an interview with the uh, singer of the Crumb Bumps, Dave Teos, talking about Ride and Master. And he was like saying, Ride is like you're skateboarding down a hill and you know when you get to the bottom of that hill, you're losing some teeth. I'm sorry. That's just happening. Oh, yeah. And I believe that. <laughs> Master is more of like you're walking into like just some crazy like mortuary or cemetery and just dealing with that. 
I, I, I would agree with that. I'd say master, like if I, I guess if I would compare it to kind of like, uh, I guess do a literary comparison, I'd say uh, Ride the Lightning is probably like a little more flashy, and I would say uh, Master Puppets is more like, I guess I would say Master Puppets would be like Dante's Inferno, basically. Those analogies, I gotta say, are perfect. Now, I'm gonna have to ask you guys to read something. Reading is fun. <laughs> Indeed. Read a book, kids. Do you make music? Are you in a band? Or maybe you're a solo artist. Do you want more expo- exposure? Look no further. Montclair State University's Underground Radio 90.3 WMSC is always looking to put new music on the air. Oh, and it looks like we have a caller. Hold on a second. Excellent. Uh, state your name and uh, please do not curse or we're going to have to drop you. Who are you? This is Jason. Ah, Jason, what's up? Um, do you have a, ch- a question for the guys in Rourke? Um, I just, I mean, this is about Metallica saying that, um, what is it? Would would they consider Injustice for All an, un, like, un, an underrated album? And if they were stuck in the desert island with that song, with, I mean, not that song, the album, would it actually be that content? Would they actually be reasonably content or do, do they think... Amp the bass up or something. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah I was gonna say um, actually right. Uh, sorry, uh, and justice for all is another one of my favorites. And yes, I do feel that it's very underrated. And honestly, if I was stuck on a desert island with with that album, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all either. I would honestly. be content as well. And I, yeah, I probably would up the bass a lot, but that's that's what I have my lovely. Iowa CD player that my parents gave me for Christmas, I believe, and this was uh, Christmas 1999 that I had gotten it. <laughs> so, I mean, it still done. works. Shockingly enough, it still works. And, you know, if you used a little DSL button, which I have no idea what that stands for, but um, apparently it's like a bass boost. So if you were to listen, it, and I have, by the way, I have listened to stuff from, uh, from And Justice For All on that, and with the bass boost, it sounds great. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any and, more? Yeah. Um, if you actually had a, if you were actually on a desert island with the vinyl or something for, from of Lulu, what would you do with it? Because understandably, <laughs> people give it enough hate. Uh, it's funny. I'd probably skip through it a little bit, maybe listen to it. Because I don't know why. It's not like I genuinely like <laughs> it, but it's like a, it's like a really weird kind of. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like amazingly bad, I guess you could say. You know, it's like you like it, but in this really weird way. Like you, you don't like it because, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. It's like, like I said, I would, I'm not crazy about it, but I feel like I could have a certain level of appreciation for it. It's just really, really odd. I mean, I guess it's, I, I guess if I didn't think of it as a Metallica record and thought of it more as like a Lou Reed record. Then, then I could probably say that that actually isn't too bad. But if I, if but viewing it as a Metallica record, unacceptable. Here's my answer. Yeah. I would so use it think, as a wheel because use it as a wheel. I cannot find an audible use for it. I'm sorry. I'm just more closed-minded when it comes to that. I mean, I know they wanted to do a record with Lou Reed ever since they performed with him at the anniversary show of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But yeah. for a vinyl, I would just use it as a wheel for some type of survival on this desert island. That's my answer. 
Not to mention, see, it's it's funny too because I guess this is the other reason why I like it. Uh, the song "The View" for some reason reminds me of this other band that Dan and I liked, or Birdman and I like to watch on uh, on uh, on YouTube called Complete. And I uh, know <laughs> it reminds me so much of that song "Hoogie Boogie Land." And every time I listen to Metallica's version, I just start going like. I just start going like, we're going to Hoogie Boogie Land and Sparky Love Sparky. What have you unleashed upon this station? Be? Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like that. I mean, it's like amazing. Like I said, this, this band is like totally drunk on stage. And this is amazingly bad. This performance is like amazingly bad. But, but it's so bad. It's good. It's so bad. It's brilliant. Okay. You know? And the sad part is, like, if you look at recent videos, now they actually try to become a serious band, and they they got rid of like half the, their members, and they don't even sound like that anymore. Which is the whole the whole point, which actually made them sound good in a way. Like it was so bad that it was amazing. <laughs> that was their card, I guess. Oh yeah, and, and now they're they're trying to be serious. So now they actually sound good, but bad. <laughs> like now the music is bad, but. It's they actually sound good playing it, if you know what I mean. Like they're actually playing properly. Ooh, okay. It's bad music. Bad music being played well is apparently more appreciated than uh, uh, good music played poorly. But I agree. I, I believe it though. I, I, I would I would much ra- I agree. I would much rather hear good music play or bad music played well than good music played poorly. And wait for all the people to say, oh my goodness, this bad music, I mean, if it, it were to be covered, this bad music is so overproduced. Ugh, all these cold people, all these cold people, I don't know. Oh yeah, the, those people are called elitists. <laughs> yeah. Or even or hipsters. Or hipsters, yeah, that too. Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm always thinking about black metal elitists for something. Oh yeah, forget it. No, theirs has to be raw, and oh yeah, and their band has their band name has to be something really... Uh, has to be named after like a Norse god or something, or well, it, or either that, or it has to be something anti-Christian, or it's got to be something, or heck, their their uh, the actual logo has to be like illegible. But then again, ours isn't very legible either. Ours is somewhat legible. But then again, it's not like we in, we wanted it to be legible. Ooh, With a name okay. like Rorg, would you really want your logo to be legible? I don't think so. No. All right. Yeah, you wouldn't. So I mean, I don't. Sometimes I don't blame them, but other times I'm just like, it. They there's this agenda that they kind of get behind, and then it's like the music gets. I feel like everything else gets lost in that agenda, and suddenly it's not about the music anymore. It's about. It's all about looks at the end. There, <laughs> it's all about their agenda, whatever that whatever that might be. Yeah. <laughs> so, any final words, Jason? Hey, I'll I'll see you guys in Montclair. That's all I gotta say. Now, when's Thanks. the show, guys? Uh, um, actually, um, our only most recent show is uh, New Paltz, July first. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what happened is uh, July fifth. We uh, we will be making an appearance though at that show on July fifth. You know, we are we're, we're still hosting this show. We're I still mean, hosting the show, but unfortunately, we still want to be accommodating to the bands that just want a place to play without paying to play. 
Right, and we're um, okay. and you know we're we're very happy to do that. And honestly, I think it'll I think it'll still be a great time. There's plenty of there's plenty of great bands on the bill as well, and not to mention we're still having our raffle too. So yeah, there's plenty of incentives to go along with this show. Yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely plenty of reasons to come out to this show. So we're we're all uh, so come out and have a good or so feel free to come out and have a good time with us because we know we will. Well. <laughs> Excellent. Hey Nick. I What's had a up? question, though. I, I didn't know that... Wait, does Montclair even have a curfew in for the local scene or anything, or what? Um, I mean, there's a little bit of a presence for the local scene, but um, it's kind of like there's not... I mean, there's the Montclairian from uh, the Mo- Montclair State University, but um, yeah. I mean, just with the meat locker pretty much getting shut down, the Bat Cave is pretty much... The only thing that's left. Yeah, pretty much. Or at least that's the way it seems to be. At least yeah, it looks like it. for the time being, I mean, like with the meat locker getting shut down, which was important, uh, the Batcave needs to be heavily supported from the get-go because uh, that's the only thing that's left. The good news is, though, yeah. that we are seeing, uh, we have seen in the press that they're um, that they're really promoting it and they're saying a lot of good things about it. So I think that's really a start for them. And I think you it's know. This will, I think things can only improve in the future for that for that venue. That's right. Yep. Well, thanks a lot for calling, Jason. Now we need to get down to hearing some more music from Rourke. 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 Thank you for calling, Jason. Much appreciated. Thank you. Now, uh, guys, what should we turn? It's a great one. I will say, "Lessons in Humility" is my personal favorite from this new EP. I had a fun I had a fun time doing this one also. I thought it was I just uh for a while it was really catchy and it was also the first song when I went to do the scratch tracks like it was the first song I did cuz it was just so catchy and just so accessible and I we had a lot of fun doing it. When we play it together it sounds great. I think it'll blend really well with the um, the hardcore uh fans. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely hear a struggle in my vocals in um, this particular track, aside from the rest. Here we go with another song from Rorg. <laughs> 